You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Amazing. Well, I want to talk to you today um, from a message that I am entitling An Interesting Character. So the title's called An Interesting Character. Now, I don't know about you, um, perhaps you haven't given this a great amount of thought, but when we think about the English language, I think the English language is a funny thing because there's words that we use that just don't always mean what the word means. So when somebody says that something is interesting, that can mean a number of different things. When I say interesting, it could, could mean that I am genuinely interested. When someone tells me something, I could say interesting. And it could mean that I have absolutely no interest at all in the thing that the person has, has told me. When I could say interesting, and it could mean that I'm not really sure about what you've just said, and I need to do some dwelling on it and and think before I make a decision. But I use the same word, interesting. It's like the word funny. When we say something's funny, sometimes it doesn't mean that something's funny. Sometimes it could be the entire opposite. So for people that maybe don't speak English as their first language, English can be a very confusing language. But when we're talking about an interesting character, we're talking about somebody who perhaps doesn't follow normal conventions, somebody who's a little bit weird, a little bit wonderful. You might be walking down the street and you see somebody across the other side of the street and you you say to your uh, friend or your partner, doesn't he look like an interesting character? And I don't know about you, I like interesting characters. Whenever I see somebody who's an interesting character, I think I need to get to know this person. I need to be a little bit curious and see what's going on there. Interesting characters could be people that leave their Christmas tree up all year round. Anybody in here that does that? Maybe an interesting character is somebody that doesn't wear shoes at all, even in the winter. You might say, hmm, interesting character. I wonder what's, wonder what's going on there. As I preached, I was, as I was preparing last week to preach this message in Penrith, I glanced across the room and I saw somebody that wasn't wearing shoes. So I had to actually take this line out because I was like, I don't want to draw attention to, to the wrong things. Maybe an interesting character is somebody who, whenever they send you a text message, they use all block capitals. I actually have somebody in my, in my world who, who does that. He also uses question marks instead of exclamation marks. And I haven't really got to the bottom of it, but every time I receive a message, I think, interesting. (laughs) You know, it's worth remembering that when something seems unusual to us, it may not be unusual to, to other people. And as I say, I like interesting characters. And I say all of this to point out that the Bible is full of interesting characters. You know, and I think that should be encouragement to us to... Be confident, if we are a little bit different, that to be confident that God has made us a particular way and that it's okay to be ourselves. We should understand that God has made us the way we are, realize that we are, each one of us, uniquely uh, created and positioned by God for a purpose. So if you're here today and you think, maybe 
Maybe he thinks, I'm an interesting character. I want to encourage you to continue to be an interesting character because God needs interesting characters to make a difference in the world, as we'll kind of learn as we kind of unpack this a little bit further. But the character I want to look at today from the Bible, who I believe is, is really is an interesting character, is John the Baptist. Now, when we look at John the Baptist, we see a man who lives in the wilderness. And you might say, hmm, interesting. He doesn't buy his clothes from Primark or, or H&M or ASOS or wherever you might get your clothes from. John the Baptist's clothes are made from camel hair. Anybody in the room today a fan of camel hair clothing? No hands. John the Baptist doesn't eat normal food. He doesn't get a delivery. He doesn't go to Tesco's. He's, he doesn't go to Aldi or Lidl. John the Baptist, for his food, he eats wild honey. I mean, imagine the bee stings you'd get from wild honey. And he gets his protein from locusts. Any locust eaters in the room? No, 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 definitely not. So I'm not sure that John the Baptist, I would want him to be my housemate. But I can confidently say when I read the Bible and I see what, what the Bible says about John the Baptist, I can kind of just sort of stroke my chin and go, interesting character. John the Baptist is definitely someone we can learn about a lot about. He's mentioned in all four Gospels. He's mentioned in the book of Acts. And it's easy to kind of flip through the pages that talk about John the Baptist because we want to get onto the little bit that's about Jesus. Um, but it's definitely worth pausing and asking ourselves the question, what can we learn from John the Baptist? So he's mentioned in all four Gospel accounts, but we're going to start by reading something from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. And we're going to pick up the story with... Uh, the story of a couple called Zechariah and Elizabeth. They, they become the parents of John the Baptist, but Zechariah is a priest. Um, both of them are elderly in age. Um, they were relatives of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and they'd been unable to have a child. Now, usually in the Bible, when there's someone who's been unable to have a child, who then subsequently has a child, maybe somebody in old age who hasn't been able to have a child and then has a child, it's usually an indication that something exciting, something miraculous is about to happen. So we see that Zechariah's division of priests, he was part of the priestly group, and his division of priests was chosen to be on duty in the temple that week. Now, they didn't have rotors like we have. Um, you know, all the pastors and all the staff in church know the, the joys of rotors. It's, it's, it's sometimes quite hard to, to fill a rotor. But in the day of Zechariah, they decided who was going to be on team that particular week by casting lots. So they casted lots, and it was Zechariah's turn. So, you know, you might find in the next couple of weeks that we start doing that. On a, on a Saturday night, we just roll a dice and we just be like, you're on kids' team this week, or we roll a dice. You're on the welcome team, or roll a dice. Guess what? You're preaching. Good luck. But that's what they did back then. And Zechariah found that he was on duty at this particular week. It's funny just how God starts to work things together in his life. But this is what we read from verse 11. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or any fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is 
born. He will bring many people, many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That was the purpose that was stamped on John the Baptist before he was even born, that he was to be a man who was to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit for this task, even before he was born. You kind of see just the hand of God working in this whole situation before the the man was even born. You know, I would would encourage you to go away and read lots of the other bits of the story, these bits that we can't touch on uh, at this, you know, today because of time. But there's little bits where uh, Zechariah becomes mute because he he almost doesn't believe the angel. And it's it's really interesting whole whole narrative that you can read in Luke chapter 1. But we are going to jump down to Luke um, chapter 1 verse 65, which is the moment that John the Baptist is born. We see this, that all the neighbors were filled with awe. Throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. It says, everyone who heard this, heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? Because the Lord's hand was with him. See, there was this excitement around the birth of John the Baptist. If you read on, we won't go there today, but we see that Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied about his son. But now we're just going to jump along to verse 80. Luke chapter 1 is a, it's a long chapter. But verse 80 says, the child grew, became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. So we've jumped about a bit, but we've got to the place where John the Baptist's been born, and now he's gone off to grow in God live in the wilderness until his time to publicly appear to Israel. Interesting story. But he had a miraculous birth. There was all this excitement around who he was going to be. Now we're going to fast forward 28 or 29 years to the moment that John the Baptist starts his ministry. So we're going to jump from Luke chapter 1 into Luke chapter 3. And it says this, During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You know, this is like, whenever you read in the Bible the phrase, the word of the Lord came, you know something of God, something of significance is is about to begin. Because the word of the Lord came and, and gave him meaning, gave him purpose, Love how it says the word of the Lord came to him in the wilderness. We're going to touch on that a little bit more. But you see, everything John did was as a result of God's hand being upon him, as a result of God setting him apart for a great purpose. You know, why was John the Baptist in the wilderness? Did he just not like people? Did he he like being, you know, out there away from all the hubbub? No, Luke chapter 3 verse 4 says, As it is written in the book of the words Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. You see, this is what he had been destined to be. John the Baptist destined to be not a voice in the city center, not a voice in in the center of the town. No, a voice of one calling 
in the wilderness. And my first point that I want to bring out to us today is this, that John the Baptist had a confidence in who he was called to be. See, the word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness. And everything he did, as we've heard, was as a response to the word that God spoke to him. You see, the greatest discovery that we can make in our lives, the first greatest discovery we can make in our lives is finding God. I believe that the second greatest discovery in our lives is that finding ourselves and living in the confidence of who God has called us to be. Now for John, it was wilderness living. It was being an interesting character. I don't know about you, I don't like, I mean, I, I like spending time in, the, in rural areas and in the countryside. I'm not sure I would like to live in the wilderness. But for John, he was following a prophetic tradition. See, the prophets who had gone before him, Moses and Elijah, they all spent time in the wilderness. And that was where God spoke to them, where God prepared them for the task that they would do. We look at Jesus later on in the Gospels. He spent time in the wilderness, time spent with his father. We look at Paul. Paul spent significant time in the wilderness before he started his ministry. And it was in the wilderness that all of these people found out who God was calling them to be. You see, John found himself away from the noise, away from the clamor. He found his very important purpose amongst wild honey locusts and camel skin clothing. You know, John was a radical. John was a little bit different. John was out there. And you know, I'm so thankful that the Bible has, is full of examples of people that teach us that it's okay to be different. It's okay to not follow the crowd. It's okay to listen to the voice of God and respond in faith. You know, I think what John teaches us is that there's freedom and fruit that comes when we follow the call God has put on our lives. Living the life God has called us to be, not pretending to be something that we are not. First off, let me talk about freedom. I don't know if there's any actors in the room, but I'm told that acting is quite a hard career to get into. Not many of us make it professionally. But we all have a good go at acting at different times in our lives, privately. You see, life, peer pressure, social media, all of those voices, all of those things that bring noise into our world provide us with a script. And a script is often what we feel and we feel pressured to, to follow. You know, there's so much noise. You know, there's strong evidence in, in today that our anxiety epi epidemic, although I appreciate there's a lot more to it than this, there's strong evidence that suggests that the anxiety epidemic in our world is as a result of, of the noise, as a result of the constant messages that we are receiving through social media, through the media at large that is kind of pressuring us on all sides, giving us a script that people feel that they must follow. And when their lives don't, don't follow the script, when their lives don't match up, they the world starts to fall apart. And I just want to encourage you that if you can kind of get away from the noise, maybe spend some time seeking God, asking God, what would you say to me? Helping, you know, don't go to the world to find yourself. Go to God to find yourself. And when you do that, you will find freedom from the noise. 
I'm not saying that we should be belligerent. I'm not saying that we shouldn't listen to advice or take feedback from other people or work on our attitude. But we can't go to the world to find out who we are. We need to go to God to find out who we are. And that is the start of freedom. Let me mention fruit. You see, God can't bless the person that we are pretending to be because the person that we pretend to be isn't real. You know, for John the, John the Baptist, strategically speaking, if you've got a, a message to get out there, which he did, his message was to make ready the way for Jesus, to prepare the way for Jesus. If you've got that message, you, you know, I would think that you would be in city centers, you would be on, on street corners, you'd be in restaurants, you'd be meeting as many people as you want to meet. See, wilderness doesn't make any sense. Why, John, would you go to the wilderness? Why wouldn't you just be where all the people are? But you know, John followed the pattern that God had given to him. John did his thing. And I love what the Bible says is that we don't see that John went pursuing people and chasing people. No, the people came to him. The crowds came to him. And these crowds weren't a niche collection of people who liked camel skin clothing and, you know, the Beekeepers Association. Or, or they, they weren't a niche group of people. These crowds were, were a broad segment of society. We see that the, the Pharisees came, the Sadducees came, the poor came, the rich came, the tax collectors came. Even the soldiers came out to the wilderness to see what, what, was, all, what was going on, what this was all about. And just to bring those two things together, freedom and fruit, I think when we discover who we are called to be and we follow God's voice that he would speak over our lives, I feel what, what, we, what happens is that we become compelling. We become intriguing. We become interesting. There the, becomes something about us that other people look at and say, I need what you've got. And we won't necessarily need to chase people, but people will come to us to find out what is going on in our lives, to, to meet the God who has made us as we are. When we, are. when we find who we're called to be, we become genuine, we become real, we become humble, and we become attractional. We become interesting characters in our own right. Just want to encourage speak a word of encouragement to us today that it's okay to be who God has called you to be. The second point is this, I believe that John the Baptist had a real clarity around his purpose. You know, John knew who he was and he knew who he wasn't. You know, finding out who we are is also helps us to find out who we're not. And it's such a key in life you know, just park church and our spiritual journey for one moment. The, the world and the noise and all of the media and the social media would, would have us believe that we can be everything, that we can achieve everything. But we can't achieve everything and we can't be everything. We need to have a focus. We need to know who we are and we also need to know who we're not. You see, John the Baptist, in his process of unpicking this, had two forces at work that he had to understand. The first was the expectation of others. The second was the ambition of self. Let me talk about expectation of others for a moment. 
Remember at John the Baptist's birth, there was all these people, they were excited, they were asking questions like, who is this child going to be? There was a stirring excitement around him. And whenever there's like that interest and that excitement and that intrigue, there's always probably people there that are like trying to put a a box or a mold on, on you to try and shape you into who they want you to be. And John the Baptist had to manage the expectations of other people. Luke 3.15 says, people were waiting expectantly and were wondering in their hearts if John was the Messiah. In John chapter 1 verse 19, the religious leaders came in and interrogated John. They were like, John, are you the Messiah? He says, no, I'm not the Messiah. He's like, are you the Elijah? And he's like, no, no, I'm not the Elijah. Are you the prophet? And he says, no, I'm not the prophet. Remember the vision of John. He said, I am the one, the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for the Lord. You see, he knew who he was and he wouldn't let anybody in his world detract him from the, the, the mission that God had called him to be. Second, the mention is the ambition of self. You see, his purpose was to prepare people and point them to Jesus. But John the Baptist had, had amassed a huge amount of followers, all kinds of people. Crowds had come to him from all over the place. You see, baptism, all the people he baptized, that was a symbol of the people that had come to follow John. And I wonder for John, it could potentially be so easy for him to kind of make it all about himself. To think that all of these people had come because of how good he was or how smart he was or because of what he had going on. You know, similarly, it's easy to make our successes all about ourselves. When things go good in our lives, we we start to say, oh yeah, aren't I really good? Haven't I worked really hard for this? And before we realize it, we can quite easily allow the ambition of self to to rise up above the purposes of God for our lives. You see, John had a, a simple task. He wasn't to become the Messiah. He was to make way, make ready the way for Jesus. His job was to be a signpost. His job wasn't to attract people to himself, but his job was to be a signpost pointing people to Jesus. Um, Luke chapter 3 verse 16 says, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You see, from the day that John baptized Jesus, and Jesus started his ministry, John's ministry had kind of come to an end. His sole job from this point onwards was to say, this way to Jesus, this way to Jesus. You know, that is our job as believers, is, is not to just say, look, I don't have the answers, you, you need to go find Jesus. No, our job is to love people and care for people and help people the best we can, showing the love of God, but ultimately to recognize that we, cannot, we, we don't even have the power to change our own lives. We can't change other people's lives, but we can point them to a loving Savior, to Jesus, who is powerful, has greater power than we could ever have. You know, when people come to us with a, with a prayer request, you know, 
we, we can't fix them through our own strength, but we can say, look, it sounds like you need a miracle. Let me introduce you to the one who can do all kinds of powerful miracles. You see, John came to a place when he had to stop drawing the attention to himself and to his message, but to become a platform to direct people to Jesus. I don't know if you've been watching the rugby. Rugby in our house is interesting when England and Ireland are you know, in the same tournament. I can sense there's going to be some interesting matches coming up. But you see, when, when the team, when somebody has the ball, they don't just go for the goal for their own individual glory. They have to pass the ball on. And you see, John the Baptist had to, he had a message, but he, and he had followers, but he had to pass them on to Jesus for a greater purpose. In John 3.30, he says, Jesus must increase I must decrease. Moving on to my third point. John the Baptist had conviction despite doubt. Now, when I preached this last time, somebody said to me afterwards a really helpful line. It was just like, the Bible is not a, a fairy story. Not everyone in the Bible has a happy ending. And John the Baptist didn't have the best of endings. See, John the Baptist found himself criticizing Herod, and as a result, Herod locked him up in a dark, grimy prison. So as as Jesus starts his ministry, as Jesus starts doing the wonderful things that John had been preparing for, John found himself locked up. It's just, I don't know. It doesn't sit right, does it? You're like, John, he would have loved to have had a, a front row seat to see everything that Jesus was doing, but he found himself locked up in prison. You see, he'd been filled with the Holy Spirit from before birth to prepare the way for this man. Now the man here is here. Now Jesus is here, and John is locked up. And I think as we read the story, we can start to see that In prison, John the Baptist started to really come to terms with this thing called doubt. In Matthew 11, verse 2, this is what we read. It says, When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look to another? What a loaded question there. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look to another? See, Jesus had just raised someone from the dead. And John had heard about all of, all of this stuff that was going on. And his response was to say, are you the real deal? Jesus, I have given my life to this. Could you just let me know, are you the one who's coming or is there someone else? Should we look to another? The implication being that, Jesus, if you can do all of these miracles, why am I here rotting in prison. You know, he had an expectation of what Jesus could have done. He could have let him out of prison, but he was disappointed that he wasn't. And I believe in this moment that John the Baptist faced doubt. He faced worry. Maybe he questioned, what have I given my life to? From the day he was born, he's given his life to this purpose. And he starts to question Have I given my life to something completely meaningless? And you know, in different seasons of life, doubt will come knocking at all of our doors. And I just want to kind of 
release you today from maybe feeling like you should never doubt. You know, we will all experience doubt at different times in our lives. The thing that defines us is really is, is not whether we doubt, but it's what we do when we doubt. Because we can take our doubts to social media, we can take our doubts to all kinds of other people, or we can do what John the Baptist did and we can take our doubts to Jesus. Just a little side note, do you remember Thomas, the, the disciple who, who doubted? What did Jesus say to him when he, when he doubted? He, he invited him to draw closer to him. He invited him to take his hand and, and to put it in his side. Now, if, if we're doubting, there's, there's nothing wrong with us. We're not tainted. We're not second-class Christians. We just need to draw closer to Jesus. See, John got his disciples and, and sent them to Jesus to find out what was going on, to get a word from Jesus. This is what Jesus said. Go back and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Love how Jesus doesn't also mention and captives are like set free like he does in other, other places. But he basically was saying to John, like, look, the plan is unfolding as it always was meant to, as it always had been planned. These are the hallmarks of the Messiah. The blind see. The dead are raised. The mission is ongoing. You know, arguably, Jesus didn't tell John anything he didn't already know because John had been hearing all of the different things that had been going on. And sometimes when we doubt, we... We want, a, we want a new word. We want a, something fresh, something that we, we didn't know before. But sometimes what will happen is that God will just remind us of what we already know. He'll remind us of what we already know. Maybe he'll package it in a different way, but he'll just remind us of who he is. Remind us of the things that you've learned from, from long ago. Doesn't always tell us something brand new. You know, when, when we doubt, maybe we just need a reminder that God is good, the Bible says God is good, that his ways are higher than our ways, that he works together all things for the good of those who are called according to his purposes, likely things that you've heard before, likely things that we'll need reminded about again. But sometimes our doubts, we just, in our doubts, we just need to remind ourselves that there is a God in heaven who loves us and our lives are in his hands. His last words to John the Baptist were this, blessed is anyone who does not stumble or doubt on account of me. Just moving on to our last point because time is nearly gone, so I just invite the band to, to join me. Is that John the Baptist was crowned with eternal significance. He was crowned by Christ. I was playing around with this point and I was trying to say he was crowned by Christ and he was decapitated by man, but it didn't kind of roll off the tongue quite, quite as I wanted it. But that was the end of this John's story. I promise you there was, there's no fairy tale here. You can read it in your own time, but John the Baptist had his head chopped off and he found his head on a plate to, to satisfy a social situation that was, was happening. But there was no miraculous jailbreak. And, you know, John the Baptist joined a, an amazing group of 
prophets of old who had been persecuted for their faith and maybe even killed for standing up and speaking the word of God. And, you know, he was the first in a new series of, of the disciples and, and Jesus himself who, who gave his life for the cause of, of the gospel. So he, in some ways, what happened to John the Baptist was outrageous. In other ways, he, it was the signs of, of what was to come. And although we have a very safe faith in, in the Western world, there are many people even to this day who give their lives for the cause of the gospel. And John the Baptist was, was one such person. Love what Jesus did after he heard that John the Baptist had been killed. He took himself off to the wilderness. Took himself off to the wilderness. The implication being that he was going to spend time with his father. You know, in, in times of great trauma, we can rush to the world to get an answer from the world, or we can rush to our father to get an answer from him. And I love that that's what Jesus did. Straight after that, he fed the 5,000. Just a, a wonderful story. But people were asking Jesus about, about John the Baptist. And, you know, this is what Jesus had to say about John the Baptist. Now, you remember John the Baptist, he was like, no, I'm I am not a prophet. I am not a prophet. Um, Matthew 11, verse 9. Jesus said of John the Baptist, not only was he a prophet, but he was more than a prophet. Remember, John, I am not a prophet. Jesus, you are more than a prophet. Um, remember, John, I am not the Elijah. Stop getting these ideas about me being some important person. No, I, I am not the Elijah. Remember, he must increase, I must decrease. Take your eyes off me, look to Jesus. That was John the Baptist. And Jesus said, he is the Elijah who is to come. Just love this. And Jesus goes on to say, truly I tell you, amongst those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. I think there's something wonderful here is that John the Baptist spent his entire life preparing the way for Jesus. His entire life saying, hey, don't look at me. I'm nothing special. Look at him. Look at Jesus. Follow Jesus. He spent his entire life being a signpost for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, telling everyone who he wasn't, preparing them for the great one who was to come. But Jesus, in his grace, said he is more than a prophet. He is the Elijah who is to come. And there's none born of women as great as John the Baptist. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. John the Baptist was exalted by Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I feel that in the life of John the Baptist, there's, there's a model that we can follow. A model that we can follow in our lives in our service, in our families, a pattern perhaps for life, for ministry, for broader things. Firstly, to be confident in who we are called to be. Be confident in our, in our differences, be confident in our interests, be confident in who God has called you to be. Number two, have a clarity in the purpose that God has given you. You know, being focused being dedicated, being committed to what God has called you to do. In the, in the face of doubt, 
to have conviction. In the face of doubt, to take our doubts to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who welcomes us in. Like he said to Thomas, just put your hand in my side. To any doubters today, I believe Jesus would just say, draw close to me and touch me. And he'll just remind us of everything he's done and his goodness and who he is and the plans he has for our lives. And finally, that we live our lives in a way where we take our crowns off and lay them at the feet of Jesus, that we humble ourselves before him so that he will be the one who exalts us. And just in closing, I want to say I feel like the church needs more interesting characters. We need more interesting characters who will go out into the world, bring the light and the love of God into dark places everywhere we go. Why don't you stand to your feet, church? I want to pray for you, and then we're going to worship. God, I just want to thank you for the life and the ministry of John the Baptist. I want to thank you for the lessons that are in your word. And God, I just pray today that you would give us a confidence, a confidence to be who you've called us to be, a confidence to have clarity in our purpose, to have conviction in the place of doubt, and confidence to humble ourselves and lay our lives before you in pursuit of your kingdom. Fill us with your presence, I pray. Fill us with your spirit, I pray. Help us to do everything that you've called us to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.